Blog Talk Radio. And as I am joined as always by the <laughs> venerable, the wise, <laughs> the the uh, the venerable and lovely Larry the Goodman. How guy. are you doing tonight, that, Larry? That old de- decrepit guy. That was that was some pretty good timing there, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> right under the yeah. The first time I called in, it just kept ringing and ringing, and I'm like, holy crap! But luckily, I, yeah. I hung up and called again, and it let me in. I was like, Jesus. But anyway, this is this is the tipping point. And uh, Larry, who is our guest tonight? Our guest is somebody I'm excited to talk with. One yes. of the great talkers, uh, the dirty right boy, Jimmy Powell will be joining us tonight at approximately 17 uh at the 715 and we'll be talking about the uh upcoming Thanksgiving Thunder NGWA NAWA reunion show in Rome. Oh, uh, I mean when I was I was listening to that promo that you sent me uh that he did and when he brought up Phil Hefner it reminded me um Larry, you know you and I met at a NAWA show. I was going to be bringing that up. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to definitely be talking about this. Larry, we got to jump right into Goldberg and Brock Lesnar. I'm going to put yeah. you on the spot. Um, what would you think? I mean, Goldberg squashed him. Did you did you like it? Did you not like yeah. it? Do you have a different reaction the next day? I know. I, I, I loved it. If you, if, you know, clearly he's their, one, he's their top baby face. You got to strike while the iron's hot and run with it. Now, if his if his shit with Goldberg with uh, Lesnar had not looked good, that could have been a problem. But I thought it looked pretty damn good, and um, I think they got you know they got to run with it when they got a chance. I could not agree more. I yeah I know there's a bunch of people outraged and they're saying it's disrespectful to the Undertaker, which makes me fucking laugh hysterically. What? Um, uh, so because you know Brock and he's been beating everybody and they've been building again it's wrestling people thinking like pseudo wrestling people look Goldberg now think of the possibilities isn't him being in the Royal Rumble suddenly five million times more interesting you know what makes me sad Larry you know this as as far as most wrestling people's thinking goes you know what they want to see Goldberg do 
wrestle Brock Lesnar again. I cannot think of anything I want to see less, honestly. I'm I'm so tantalized by the idea that God, what if he wins the fucking thing? What if he gets a title shot? What if he goes against the Undertaker? What if, what if, what if? And the limit of people's imagination in this day and age where the WWE needs two things. They need someone who's truly over, and they need yeah. somebody who, who, who freaking tackles the imagination and forces yep. you to think of possibility. And they actually took advantage of the fact that their pay-per-views are not pay-per-views anymore. That should open you up to the possibilities of doing things like this, ending a show 30 minutes earlier than expected. Um, having a squash match for your main event um, are all within the realm of possibilities because no longer is it someone going, I paid 60 bucks for that shit. Instead, right. it's intriguing and it's interesting and it shows how much we've been beat up by wrestling over the last 10 years that people would even consider that that wasn't an amazing moment and something that could lead to something much, much greater than some watching those two stumble through a fucking match. Why are we pretending that that was going to be a good match? That's one. <laughs> two. No, yeah. I, the, the Toronto crowd would have eaten them alive. It was really their only way out to get anything that they wanted out of that thing. I honestly. And, and I got to say it was brilliant. Went, yeah. Yes. The, the, the longer they went, the, the riskier it got. And to, and to do it like that. And the other thing I would say is you, if you hadn't had strong wrestling on the undercard of that show, you know, maybe you could argue, well, you know, that's kind of sucks to give the, give us a one minute main, but you had, you had really some really good wrestling on the undercard. Um, you know, not that the, like the idea of the survivor series stuff itself was that compelling, but you had some real good action in the, in some of those matches. So, yeah, I yes. I couldn't uh, I couldn't argue at all with what they did in the reactions on Raw when in the opening segment. I mean, I think that tells you all you need to know. Yeah, I mean, those Survivor Series matches gave you what I thought was real sort of attitude era kind of train wrecky booking, but not. I say that like it's a bad thing, but it's not. Like they they really gave you. I mean, what the fuck did people want? Like, Bray Wyatt won. Randy Orton looked great. Uh, they advanced an angle. Um, a- another angle that's compelling as opposed to predictable, right? I mean, how long has it been since they've advanced three or four things where I went, I can't wait to see where this goes? It's been years since I've thought. And I mean, Goldberg, let me just throw this out there. I hate Goldberg. I hate the idea of Goldberg. Like there's nothing about Goldberg that makes me go like, wow, in and of himself. But the way that this has been handled, my God, it's just about the only thing that they've done right. And so, you know, I mean, who's the number one baby face after Goldberg? If if you don't have Goldberg, you know who your number one baby face is? Chris fucking Jericho. That's who. (laughs) I mean, you know what? One other thing they're handling right, Braun Strowman. I yeah. I have to I do think they're doing a good job with Braun Strowman. He's and he is rising to the occasion. I'm I've been surprised by that, but it seems to be working out pretty well with Braun Strowman. 
I, I did wince when I was just like, oh, my God, Shane McMahon's going to be uh, – anything oh. that keeps Shane McMahon out of wrestling Brock Lesnar, Goldberg, or anybody else of note at WrestleMania, I am all for at this stage. I'm so terrified that they're going to throw – watching Shane McMahon wrestle at this point, honestly, is the equivalent of listening to Stephanie McMahon. I'm just – I can't. I can't do it. And so, like, <laughs> by, by all means, keep – Goldberg and or Brock Lesnar off of his radar and let that go to something somebody else. But yeah, I was, I mean, I was happy and um, I, I can't wait. And, you know, predictably almost everybody I knew sort of hated it on some level and they try to use these kind of wrestling ways to justify it. It's like, well, they built Brock up and, it's like the point of this thing is to make money and get interest and get people talking. Like, yeah. again, this this notion that things are deserved and things need to happen in a certain way because so-and-so has earned it is what got us to this impasse in the first place. Right. right. <laughs> it's this, this notion of the, 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 the chant, you deserve it, is the most backhanded compliment in wrestling. It is the most it – is, it is pretty poison because what it's saying is – there's people who have done their time and deserve a gold watch as opposed to who can we make money with? Who's compelling? Who can create new wrestling fans? Um, again, I always say that modern wrestling is what happens when you let the boys and the attitude of the boys permeate the thinking behind everything. And you know what? We found out it didn't work. Um, sorry. Chris Jericho being compelling, <laughs> working a gimmick, and being good at something uh, supersedes whatever he's doing in the ring. It just does. There's just a difference between, I mean, there's probably suckers who think Kevin Owens is the reason that thing is over. <laughs> That's where right. we're at. But it's clearly, I mean, they're drawn to the people who are good at what they do, and that's portraying a character. Goldberg does that as good or better than anybody if I'm giving him credit for something. And then the other two are who are they? Jericho's over and Enzo's over. The three guys that are the seemingly the most comfortable at being quote unquote themselves on camera. Yeah, I don't and think that's a coincidence. No, and it doesn't seem to matter how many times they beat Enzo. I mean, it doesn't. He's just over. Beat him, beat him time and time again. He's he's over. Hey, I I, I do want to touch on the uh, NXT uh, show for a second, which was also absolutely excellent, excellent show. Excellent the tag mm -hmm. match, the main event, and and how much longer can they keep Bobby Roode off the main event, off the main roster? I, Not I, long. I just, uh, how much longer are they going to be able to keep Mickey James off the? Lo My well, God, man, yeah, I the mean, that, was, that, that was excellent. <laughs> and I mean, I really did want to talk about that tag match. Um, you know, there there are people who are saying it's maybe the best tag match that WWE has ever done. And part of me wants to like, you know, just go like, there's no way. But then boy, when you try to think of another and the, and WWE's had great tag matches. I mean, 
the fact that that argument could actually stick says says volumes about mm-hmm. the guys that were in that match. Yeah. So good. I mean, Revival are in just a, in, in an elite class as a tag team. I mean, uh, they, those guys just blow me away as a tag team. Um, mm-hmm. it, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But, you know, Joe doing his thing, I mean, uh, it's all incredibly exciting stuff. Um, to switch gears real quick, because I know he's, Jimmy's yeah. going to call on soon, but um, I, I kind of, you know, when you have a list of, Larry often sends me like a, a list of topics and then asks if there's anything I want to throw in. And Larry's topics were so good that I just didn't really feel the need to add anything. But I got to say, so WrestleMerica is bringing in Colt Cabana. Like, what's your initial thought about that? Well, being a Colt Cabana mark, I like it just for that reason. Now, that was my first reaction. My second reaction is, well, it's got to do better than Adam Rose. Um, Oof. As bringing in outside talent. And um, I just wonder about uh, Wrestle America in general at this point because the um, cards lately have been pretty lackluster. Now, it, this next card with Colt Cabana, the overall talent lineup looks looks much better. But it's been pretty light in the in that department in the recent cards. So um, is Colt Cabana going to draw people in Barnesville? No. I mean, he he didn't when he came to uh, Warner Robins for Rampage, and I you know I don't see that happening in Barnesville either. Um, That's true. So. Um, my my counter is only this, and and this isn't really a counter, but you know, Bigwood brought in Eric Young, and it's one of those things where I just thought. That's not going to help him at all. But because Eric Young was promoted properly, mm. um, that's one of the biggest houses Wood has ever drawn. I mean, I'm talking like the four or five hundreds. And again, I, I don't know. Like at one point, Wrestle America had such a great infrastructure. I think you know, it's like their card underneath was very good. Like people basically knew they were going to get their money's worth. And now. I may, I think there's there's this almost this feeling like it used to be sort of a can't miss show in that area, and now it's a show that you can miss, and I don't know if they don't promote it with Colt on top, and something at least two or three three things swimming underneath. Uh, I don't know if they are going to get any kind of any kind of bump from having Colt there. Yeah, I mean, I, I hope they do. I certainly want to see them do well in Barnesville, but it, it, I don't know what you've heard. My understanding is the crowds have been down more to yeah. you know, 100, 100 and a quarter, something like that lately. And, um, and I so, mean, there are promotions that once used to draw more and are drawing a little less right now, but you get the feeling that they're kind of on the mend. I'm thinking specifically of Southern Fried, which is a show that you went to, where, yeah, they're drawing, I mean, they're drawing like in like 140, 150 when they used to draw much more. However, you get the feeling that that marriage of, of Todd Sexton and Charles is, is working out pretty well. Uh, they seem yeah. to get along. They seem to have plans. I think Todd is helping focus them. Again, I, I think them running shows in this town and that town just sort of takes their eye off the ball. But at the same time, I, I think there's no doubt that the talent level of their shows underneath are fine. And I think a kind of putting the marquee thing aside was a, was a good move. You don't want to alienate 
you don't, you know, you, you want to dance with who brought you to the dance. And those, those fans expect a certain kind of product. They'll be re-educated to a small extent, but they, they want to see Southern Fry. They don't really care about Marquee, you know? That's at least that's how it appeared like to me. No, and I, I agree with that. And I think that, you know, in the past there, there may have been, you know, a few too many chiefs in the booking department. And to have, you know, Todd just sort of as the cohesive force with the booking, I think just helps them. A lot, and you can you can see more clarity in the stories coming through on on the last on the last show. So yeah, I mean I think Absolutely. they're headed in a good direction. It'll be interesting to see. I know that's a that's a ways off when they run run Buford on a Sunday, but I'm I'm curious to see how that works out for them. And that's in January. Um, so that's you know I don't know that anybody's run around there lately. Um, and I do believe yes. we have our special guest right on the button here. We're joined cool. now. You want to give him an intro? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll do that. Be glad to give an intro to the one and only Dirty White Boy Jimmy Powell. Welcome to the Tipping Point. Thanks, Larry. I appreciate that. It's good to talk to you guys. Good to talk Hi, with Jimmy. you, Hi, Jimmy. Um, I'm Steve, and um, I got to ask you right off the bat. So I was I knew of you, and then Larry, when he said we were going to have you as a guest, he sort of uh, pointed me towards promos that you had cut and all of that. Um, I loved the promo where you talked about how excited you were to do this Thanksgiving show. Um, one thing that struck me is you weren't, there wasn't a lot of hysterics, like you weren't yelling, you weren't screaming, but still there was kind of a, there, there was a genuine, I, I could sense sort of a genuine love you had to do this show. And it's strange, like you do kind of carry this understated power when you speak. Um, what are your thoughts about going into this Thanksgiving show? Like what are the like two or three emotions that are really kind of like first and foremost in your mind? <laughs> well, thank you. I'll tell you, I am passionate, I guess, about most things that I do. And I am, I guess I am a storyteller. Everybody says I am. So I'd be doing that interview. I was kind of telling the story, but. But uh, I'm I'm excited just to see if I can do it again. I guess it's kind of sounds kind of crazy, probably. But I, I mean, I'm not a real old man. I'm just 53 years old. I quit quite young. Uh, but uh, just uh, my daughters are both going to be with me. My daughters weren't born when I quit. Uh, so I guess with that interview, I said something about my. I even have a son-in-law now, and he's probably more excited than I am. Uh, so there's some kids from our church that are going, and they're all excited. So, you know, it's just, a, I guess it's all the way around just, just to see, you know, see what we can do again. And uh, I, I still watch the products, you know, quite often. I don't watch it every week, but it's, uh, but I enjoy it still. Uh, and I guess I'm just kind of waiting to see my, what I said in the last interview is I want hope, hope they'll remember me. It's kind of true. You know, you have these ideas <laughs> of, you know, uh, the generation that I was in, uh, they're, you know, they're all older people now and, uh, it's kind of funny. I was talking to a newspaper guy today uh, in in my hometown. I'm, I have a retail store there, and I work with the downtown development with the city. And uh, he was, I was trying to get the newspaper to start covering more local events, and and so they had this kid, this guy, call me, and he says, you know, well, you know what? I used to watch you wrestle when I was a kid. So I said, well, maybe it does come out for some good, you know, because now I got the newspaper writing about us. So. <laughs> But, you know, it's just exciting to, to get to go back, I guess. Rome, Georgia, for me, was a lot of fun because it had a lot of history with us guys. 
it wasn't always the biggest town, but it was probably the most consistent town uh, in the independent circuit. Uh, when I was working, I, when I booked for Jerry Blackwell and his Southern Championship Wrestling, and then we worked with, I worked with Jody Hamilton with, you know, in Deep South. Uh, and then other places, of course, I worked for a lot of other places too, but it was just the, for local stuff. Ted Allen and myself kind of switched running Dillard's. Uh, he owned it for a while, and he'd get aggravated and sell it to me. And uh, the biggest laugh I ever had with Ted, I guess, was that the, he sold it to me on a kind of a downward slump. And I, I brought, I worked an angle with uh, some guy with Ronnie Gossett. I brought him in, Ronnie P. Gossett, the manager, and uh, brought out Bill of the Butcher as my partner. And we had the biggest crowd that was ever there. And then Ted wanted to buy it back, so I sold it back to him. And the next week, we had the worst crowd that was ever there. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! But, but you know, Ted was one of those. Ted, Ted was really uh, highly motivated by money, and he was a tightwad, in other words. We loved him, but he was, you know. And so it was kind of funny that he bought it back. What we did actually, it was my fault. I let Abdullah turn on me, and I think everybody expected him to. He had turned on everybody else in the country, and so the next week it was a horrible crowd, and Ted was the new owner again. So the happy owner. But, uh, <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I, I know I know Larry's dying to ask you a million things, but I go I have one more question. This one's a little bit okay. of a tougher question. Um, so uh, often when uh, you know you've been away for a while, um, like yeah. there's sort of like the the rose colored glasses of like oh yeah. man like you know it's going to be so great to be back and blah blah blah. But what's what's something that when you when you left there, what's something that was like highly negative that you're hoping kind of doesn't manifest itself? You're hoping that like, I hope I come in and this, this, this bullshit is done or like, what, what's something negative? And I, I don't know how much you want to say, but what's something negative that you're hoping doesn't sort of carry over into this thing on Thanksgiving? Well, you know, the negative, uh, I never really looked at a lot of negative. I burned a lot of bridges. I quit a lot of places. Uh, but um, as far as in Georgia, I guess especially, there they wasn't a lot of negative. There was, uh, I guess, some. Well, now I'll tell you, back back when I quit, I was a uh, I was a pretty uh, abusive kind of guy as far as uh, a lot of recreational drugs and things like that, you know. And mm. uh, and you know, I hope that and I had I had kind of got straightened out right before I quit, and I hope that uh, you know maybe some of that. Uh, <laughs> What hung over me those last few years? I think they held their breath a lot of nights when I'd go out to do an interview, not really sure what I was going to say. Yeah, uh, you know the. I know Ted told me one night after I'd been to the river, uh, been to River Bend. Or, no, well, anywhere some rock concert in Chattanooga all day. You know that he said, "Man, I was scared to death when you were doing that interview tonight." You know, I didn't know what you were going to do, but uh, but, just, <laughs> but uh, that kind of stuff, I guess, was the worst part, worth the negative. But I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, yeah, I spent 15 years, and I, I made a living for 15 years, which was, you know, I never had another job, uh, and I and I worked about 300 days a year most of the time. I was working in offices, you know, some, and I was working independence, but I really am thankful that I got to do it. I had a blast. Uh, mm. When I quit, I quit on a high note, honestly. Uh, Terry and Terry Gordian uh, had just got me a little, uh, had got me a deal in Japan, and uh, to team with Tiger Jet Singh as a maniac, and it was probably the best deal I would have ever got. But my wife was about to have our babe, first baby, and you know it was—I uh, didn't want to leave until after the baby was born, and, and I just quit. I just—I turned. I called Baba and talked to him. Wow. And told him I, I, I was going to turn him down, and, and uh, I walked away. And you know, uh, 
it was just one of those times in life when, you know, my, I'll never forget Michael Hayes called me and said, have you lost your ever-loving mind? He didn't say it quite that nicely. But he said, Terry, has got you a job. And he said, you, you know, and I wasn't the greatest wrestler in the world, man, by no means. But I was a showman. My real skill was writing and, and you know, and coming up with ideas. And I loved that. And I wrote I wrote most of Jerry Blackwell's TVs. I did all that stuff back then. And, uh, you know, I, I, I probably could have ended up doing something like that, you know, later. And it wasn't all going to be a wrestler. Maniac was perfect for me because I really wasn't that good a wrestler. Uh, but, uh you know, it was just mm. uh, you kind of quit. You kind of quit on the high and left, and I never went back. You know, for three years. So, uh, I don't know. I'm just it's gonna be fun, and I, you know, I'm looking for the positives anyway. I think I don't even know most of the guys I'm in the ring with because they were generations ahead of me. Terry Lawler uh, is a friend of mine now, not because of wrestling. I wrestled with his brother Daryl. You know, Steve Lawler. Uh, mm-hmm. They're in, they're in deep south and in the southern, but. Uh, but Terry and then Bobby Hayes, Butcher Bobby Hayes, I always I like him. I think he's just a – I booked for a little while to wrestle Birmingham, and I brought him in down there just because I thought he was just a really solid worker to get healed. But uh, it's all messed up wrong because he's a baby face. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure if there's any baby faces or heels in this 10-man tag match. I really, to be honest with you, I don't know how it's going to work out, but I think it'll be fine. <laughs> hey, um – Jimmy, what were the uh, fifteen-year span that you were active? What what uh, actual years were those? Seventy-seven. Uh, let's see, seventy-seven, ninety-one or ninety-two, I believe it was. I'm. Uh, I started with Nick. Well, I started with a little insomerable Georgia with my first match, actually, just north of Rome, and I was fourteen. And uh, I turned fifteen next week, and then I had my dad built. The ring was so horrible, and that first night I wrestled, that it broke in three places. And my dad said, "If you're going to do this, we're going to build your ring." And he had a friend of his, who's a welder, and they they found a uh, they they kind of put together a plan and built a wrestling ring. And that's what really got me into business because Nick Gillis was in need for a ring and spot show. Somebody didn't show up, and somebody had seen my ring, and so they called me, and I, and I that's kind of the rest. George liked my ring because George didn't like hard rings, and mine was easy to take bumps on. That's Nick's son, George. So, <laughs> oh, yeah, that was kind of the deal. Yeah, George. Gee, George needed all the help he could get, from what I remember. Yeah, well, I saw George last uh, few months ago. He just got married, actually, a month or so ago. But, uh, but yeah, he uh, <laughs> George was not the greatest athlete, but uh, you know, I guess promoter's son. You know, you do what you do. You you um, mentioned in the. Uh, the promo for this show, which I which I thought was wonderful, that you wrestled your last match at Dillard's. Could you share some of your positive uh, memories of of Dillard's <laughs> Music Park? Yeah, Dillard's was uh, it was a consistent great show. I'm gonna be honest with you. My wife was uh, we we're just young married guy people, but uh, we've been married 33 years now. But she's uh, she would take make get merchandise back and it wasn't really popular for guys to sell merchandise I guess unless you were a big and a big company but but every month first of the month because the first month is always the biggest show because honestly a lot of people were drawing checks and I don't mean that to be ugly they were great fans but they ever it was usually packed the first of the month Tracy every first of the month would make sure that we had new merchandise and uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> I did I had some really great fun angles there and Larry Booker who he was the Moondog Moondog spot. We we did about twelve or thirteen weeks there, uh and had every kind of match in the world I guess. We 
uh, we started out time limit draw, then had a no, no time, you know, then had a 30 minute, a 45, then a no time limit, then we had a DQ, and then we had a no DQ. I mean, we played the whole thing out for months and months, you know. Uh, I loved working with Larry. He was so much fun. He he was brutal at times. We'd beat each other to death. Uh, mm-hmm. Bleed almost every week, you know. But uh, me and Ted Allen, we teamed there. Uh, Ted was a lot. He was to me was a uh, just a great wrestler. Uh, I I brought uh, Terry Gordy there, who was was my best friend. I loved Terry. We had some great stuff with him there. We had two of the a couple of the people that I think are some of the best workers back in those days that probably didn't get the notoriety they deserved was Joel Deaton. Uh, Joel was a regular that we we worked every, we used all in four nights. We run from four to five nights a week normally there then. Wow. Uh, Tony Zane, uh, Tony Stansel, he uh, was Mr. Atlanta, mm-hmm. I think was one of the best big men ever in the business. I just, that's just the way I feel. I, I worked for Jerry Jarrett. I went up there and teamed with Tony Atkins for a while as the Dirty Whites when they needed somebody. And I begged uh, Jeff Jarrett to uh, to get a uh, to bring Tony Zane and, and uh, Joel, Joel Deaton in as a Texas team, an outlaw team. And but uh, I never forget Tony got on to me. He said, "Man, you're trying to talk our talk us out of our spot, you know." But uh, they were just the just the best. I mean, they were just great workers. You know, Tony Zane got me over in Georgia because. He was 310 pounds, and he would I would hit him, and he would bump all the way across the ring, you know. And, mm-hmm. I mean, people, he made me a star there in the local areas. Uh, so those guys, to me, uh, are some of my greatest memories. Ronnie Gossett, I think, was the greatest wrestling manager, one of the greatest managers there ever was. And I think he started, if Nick Goulas would have known in the 70s what he had as a ring announcer, he could have got rich. You working angles with mm. it, but he might he had him as a ring announcer in the seventies. Um I mean Jerry Jarrett in uh you know saw him he he knew him anyway but he came over he kept going over there and hanging around and uh I think he kinda liked somebody or something but uh he would hang around over there they finally offered him a you know just said look you know Jerry uh Jerry Lawler said hey let's let's do this with gossip you know and they put him in there and he I mean he just erupted that place. I mean he was crazy. He'd do anything. You know, and I got to bring. I loved. I and honestly, to this day, I never had a friend like Ronnie Gossett. Terry Terry Gordy and I were really good friends, but Ronnie Gossett was my best friend. We talked every day until he passed away. Uh, mm. So I mean, those kind of memories, I guess. Uh, I remember Moondog Spot. Larry Booker threw me off the top of the building in the back of a pickup truck back before they ever did anything like that. You know, uh, I mean, just crazy stuff we would do. <laughs> that nobody else had ever heard of in those days, you know, just goofy, except for Memphis. I mean, Memphis was 20 years ahead of their time, you know that. But Right. Uh, yeah. but in Georgia, I mean, you know, uh, when I worked uh, in, the early, in the early 80s there, uh, Ole Anderson wouldn't even let me throw a punch in the first second match, you know. So, I mean, they, I, Georgia people never seen crazy crazy until they started watching Memphis wrestling on Joe Pettisino's show, you know. Right. But, uh, well, yeah, it was uh, Jimmy, uh, it sounds like the the uh, the wrong Ronnie Gossett died. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, I, didn't, I didn't know the other, but I've heard that too. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Jimmy, um, 
you're obviously a very creative guy and by wrestling standards, uh, certainly a genius. Um, but, uh, when, when you, when, when you look around wrestling now, and this could be at any level of the game, uh, it could be anything small or big. What's something that you, you just, you get an idea and you go like, Oh, if this guy would just do this, or if they would just book this, that, that you just go like, God, I wish I could just tweak this one thing that I see in wrestling right now. What would it be? <laughs> oh man. Uh, I'll be honest. I like NXT. Uh, mm-hmm. I like to watch it. I enjoy watching it. I drive my wife crazy watching it, you know. Uh, <laughs> but uh, well, she really is not a fan of wrestling anymore, but, you know, that's okay. She still puts up with me. Uh, I like, uh, of course, I like some of Joe. I booked him in Birmingham, him and, and uh, AJ Styles. Uh, he's, you know, he don't live a couple hours away from here, and I met him a few times. And we, we've done some little business together. But uh, I think to me, they're they're missing the boat on not just turning turning up the steam with Joe. Uh, mm. I think they could. I mean, he's got any to be anything that anybody's ever been. I think. You know, I think he's got the. Uh, it, his, I mean, he's been around a while, but he's still got. The, I think he's still got the steam in him to carry the to carry the load. Uh, yeah. But they just seem to be holding guys back. You know, they don't. They don't let them. They don't turn anybody loose. Nobody's that let, uh, allowed to really be natural anymore. Uh, mm. You know, just let don't quit writing scripts so much. I mean, I know they have to write them to a point, but just uh, I like AJ's doing great up, in, up there. Uh, you know, but I, I think he's not doing as good as he was when he first got there. I think he's already kind of either they they've, they've calmed him down or he's kind of settled into into the, you know, the whole idea that, you know, you, there's certain things you need to do and, you know, and get and go on. Them, them, them boys that used to be in Japan, the tag team, I don't really know them, but Luke Yellows, I know he works some independent stuff around here. They tell me a lot. I think they're missing the boat on them guys big time. I mean, I may be wrong. You may think they're, you know, I'm yeah. wrong, but but I think it's, they just ought to let them guys go. Uh, I don't think but, you're but wrong. I think, I think you already kind of blew it. I think they have to. I really do. I think they tried to make them clowns, and and that's just I don't understand that. I don't. There's just not a heel out anymore. You know, uh, they could have been heels. Absolutely. Uh, they were. They had a good steam. They had a steam rolling. You know, but uh, I don't know. It's just. I guess those guys. I really don't get to see the other products much. I don't watch TNA, uh, and it's not that I don't. I just I forget about it. It's never. I guess it's not made that big of an impression on me over the last few years that I remember it's on. Uh, but I think there's probably some good guys there. Uh, every now and then I'll flip by and see it, and you know they some those boys can work, but but they just seem to have some. Seem like it's the Vince Russo booking again or something. It looks crazy, you know. <laughs> uh, it looks like they're just going off the wall. Of course, that may be where where they're heading. That might be where they want to go. But I, I don't know. I just think that I really think Small Joe's is a guy that could draw him a bunch of money if they would turn him loose. And I think, like you said, I may have already missed the boat on those other two boys. But I wish, I wish they would just let them go because it looks like they could be heels, <laughs> you know. But Mike, can I ask hey, you a question? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, you mentioned Ronnie Gossett. Do you have any? Um, I mean, I thought of Ronnie Gossett was a tremendous character. You have any good Ronnie Gossett stories? 
Oh, that I can tell. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I won't tell you this one. This is because I guess we've been bogging it, but we were, we were, Tony and I were working with Jeff and Billy Travis in, in Dallas at the Sportatorium. And uh, actually, back then, Billy Travis had to get for Jeff didn't. Jeff actually took that, that idea from Billy after he died, you know, or maybe before he died. But uh, so we did, the finish was that we were going to beat them. But Gossett was going to steal the guitar, throw it to us, and uh, we were going to hit one of the guys. I can't remember if we hit Jeff or Billy, but anyway, we hit one of them over the head, and, and we pinned them that night. And the dressing room in the sportatorium uh, was is underneath the bleachers, or it was underneath the bleachers. So you knew that when the, when you when you got heat, you could feel it because the crowd would start stomping on the bleachers, and you know it downstairs immediately. Police officers come to get us, and they said, "You got we got to get you out of here. You guys about to start a riot." So they we grabbed our stuff, headed out to the parking lot. And if you, I don't know if you've ever been in the sportatorium, but the parking lot had potholes in it, as big as Ronnie Gossett's rear end. And uh, it just, when we got out there, this old car, that lady named Joanne puts us up at the airport, and she, she got in the car, and the, the people, crowd were surrounding us. I mean, they were coming after us, and the cops were all around <laughs> us telling them to get back. And we get to a, I hope this is not too racy, I didn't even think about this, but. <laughs> oh, no, please. A, we get to, Tony's getting in the car, and I'm throwing my bag in the back, and I tell Joanne, I, I said, let's crank the car, and. And about that time, Ronnie looks at this big, heavy-set Hispanic lady, and she's holding a baby. <laughs> and Ronnie said, "Ronnie says, hold you monkey, lady, who will bring you the banana next week. Oh, my God. <laughs> and when he said that, the police threw their hands up there and said, you guys are on your own. <laughs> and they, they left us. And I, I told God that I said, get in the car. We're going to, we're, you know, they're, they're going to kill us. And Tony's hollering, we're going to die. We're going to die. And uh, I told Joanne, the lady driving, I said, hit the gas. And I said, if you blow all four tires in this crazy parking lot, don't stop. And they were actually rocking our car. Like the, the, the people were all around us rocking the car. And uh, that was just one of many wonderful lines that Ronnie had through the years. Uh, oh, my God. You know, I mean, he just – and, you know, I mean, nowadays you could just imagine – that's why I said I hope it wasn't too racy because nowadays you can just imagine how un, right. how unpolitically correct that would have been. I mean, <laughs> you know, uh, but, I mean, it, at the time it just – it was just the right thing to say. I mean, <laughs> 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 you know, uh, <laughs> I mean, we were heels, and that was what heels did back then, you know. Uh I mean, it's just, but, but that was just Ronnie. We we got to the airport the next morning, and there comes Jeff up uh, through the uh, middle of the airport, and he is in a, uh, got one of these little wagons, you know, they're driving him, and we're walking, so gosh, it's big anyway, you know, real big, and he hollers, get me a ride, get me a ride. So we get on, and he's talking about breaking kayfabe and getting in trouble. We get on the golf course, golf course thing with Jeff and who walks out of the bathroom but Jerry Jarrett so <laughs> it's a wonder we didn't get fired but we Jeff Jeff took care of us you know <laughs> but Jerry Jerry was hot so needless to say we didn't uh, we didn't travel at, at the same time with them anymore but <laughs> but he was just that kind of guy he was a wonderful human being uh he had a a lot of uh 
a lot of ways of putting things. Uh, you know, he did a shoot interview later on, and I don't know if any of you guys saw it, but he went. I, I never saw it because he made me promise I wouldn't watch it. Uh, he said I said some things on there that I shouldn't have said, and I, you should. You don't even need to see it. And <laughs> but. Uh, he was just a crazy. I don't know. He was a lot, so much fun that uh, everywhere you'd go, he'd get, he'd have more heat. I mean, just by uh, he'd just look at somebody and make them mad, you know. <laughs> but, uh, I don't for know the, I like uh, <laughs> it's so wonderful, uh, Jimmy. For this the show, I mean, Thanksgiving show is such a big deal, and. Um, is there somebody that you're looking forward to seeing or, or something that you want to say to somebody that you're going to see there that maybe you haven't seen in a long time or since you stopped wrestling? Well, my biggest, the biggest problem with me being down there is most of the guys are a different generation. But yeah. uh, I'm really hoping that uh, that Tony Zane will come because it's just a few minutes from his house, and I've tried to send him a message because I'd, just love, I'd like to just thank him again for all he did for me. Uh, just to be honest with you, I had it had the opportunity a couple of years ago when Mr. Wrestling Two came over, and mm. they had the they had the event for him uh, to uh, spend some time with him, and just let him know what you know what how his influence was because I was pretty I was pretty wild back in those days. I mean, you know, I respect him tremendously, but he but he helped me. He guided me with some good good advice, sometimes fatherly advice, I guess, but. Uh, but so it's kind of neat to get to go back and see some guys like that. But uh, I'm, I, and I'm hoping that maybe Tony will show up. Uh, if nothing else, just tell the fans thank you. Like I said, I hope they remember me, and I hope they turn <laughs> out. And I told Phil the other day, I said, "You better not run this show and talk me into coming." It's not probably the last time I ever get in a ring in front of 25 people. You know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, it'll be fun. I mean. I know that uh, there's a lot of fans, and it's so neat the way the Internet is. You know, we didn't have any of that back then. You know how we promoted Rome? We had television that we filmed, but the only, you know what else we did? We had a stinking voice, I mean, a, a message answering machine at the building, and people called the answering machine to find the card. I mean, wow. you know, things like that. Nowadays, they just hit, hit get online and hit it up and find something. But they would call the action. We would get hundreds of calls every week. I mean, hundreds and hundreds of calls of people getting the card. We'd, you know, we'd put, we'd do interviews on the action machine before we left on Saturday night for the next week. Wow! <laughs> wow! Wow! <laughs> Isn't that crazy? You just don't think about stuff like that now. But, mm. but I mean, it was like a, it was a different world. I mean, I win the cards. You always put out, you know, win the card the posters. And I, I don't know. I guess maybe they make a few now, just somebody take home with them. But you never see those up anywhere. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, you think about all the old stuff that used to make money. Like people called. I mean, this is '90s, of course, but people called a hotline and paid like a dollar ninety nine a minute to hear some wrestling news. Like, I, it's just so yeah. far out of. I, nowadays, I did, everything I is free, free, free. Did you? Golden <laughs> did a commercial for them. I laid in the middle of the ring and let him drop headbutts off the top. They did about forty of them before they got it right. My shoulder was bruised and his his head, his neck was killing him. Uh, I don't remember where that was. Somewhere in Atlanta, we did it in the TV station. They called us and paid us five hundred dollars a piece to do the commercial. I know that was crazy. A hot for the wrestling hotline. Sure <laughs> did, and then Mike Golden. 
<laughs> and but that was amazing. But, I mean, people called in and paid that kind of money to hear something about wrestling. Now they just get it up online. Everything's free. You know, right? Well, I mean, and then Jimmy, you cut. I mean, you cut that. Pro, you cut that last promo. You cut it. I mean, probably you know, on your you know phone. And I mean, it's just you know amazing. Was? I was <laughs> sitting in line at Lafayette High School, waiting to pick up a kid that's this kid that has been having a lot of. He's been getting in trouble, so I. I talked to his mom and to let me have him after school every day, and he comes to work with me. And so I was sitting in line waiting to pick him up, and I thought, I think I'll try this thing. I had never done that before. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so I'm sitting in the car, you know, at a, at a school doing an interview with people looking around me. I guess they, they're used to everybody talking in the car now, so they didn't think I was crazy, I guess. But, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's so could, simple. You know? Can you imagine being given a script for a promo? No. I'm going to be honest with you. I'll never forget this. My brother, uh, Tim, everybody called him Burger. He wrestled for a few years. Right out of high school, I took him on the road with me, and he teamed with me for a while as, as dirty white boys, and then he teamed with me as the Mad Squad in Continental. Uh, and uh, we were in Continental, and we were getting ready to do an interview, and I'll never forget Gordon Soley told my brother, he said, son, he watched him. Well, no, it was after the interview. He came up to him. He said, son, can I tell, talk? Can I give you some advice? And he said, yes, sir. And he said, when you get back to your apartment, he said, you get your hairbrush, and you stand in front of the mirror, and you get a, a clock, you take a watch, and you have your brother count off seconds, and you learn about 15 seconds worth of stuff that you can say comfortably. And Berger said, okay. And he said, then, son, just let your brother take care of the rest because he won't have any problems. <laughs> and I, and that's, this is no joke. We went back to the to the apartment. We were staying with Jonathan Boyd and Mike Golan. And Mike would hold their stopwatch or his watch and count, and Jonathan would be behind him coaching him, and he helped Bird get him about 15 seconds so he could say, and then I would finish the interviews every time we did an interview. And uh, <laughs> But that was Gordon Soley's advice to him, and it was, you know, but but I just I guess I always they'd say Jim I need you to do two minutes or I need you to do four minutes I need you to close the show and you know you just did it uh, nobody yeah. ever told me what to say I mean they they would say when I was booking for Jerry I would give a guy a direction to go in you know I'd say listen we're going to Carrollton and we're going to Griffin and we're going to uh, you know Alpharetta and uh, then we're going to Cobb County Civic Center on Sunday and you know, you're basically working with this guy in every town or these guys in every town, and just give us, just you know, get us there. That's about all I'd tell them. And the guys would just go, you know, and you just turn them loose, and it worked. It they it drew. I mean, we were they were so passionate about you know what they said that people bought it. And uh, I guess I I used to I could talk them into the seats. I, I guess uh, Ted used to laugh because. He was the wrestler, but he couldn't say anything. He was horrible at interviews. And he, you know, he had he was no showman whatsoever. I mean, he was a, a tremendous worker, and he taught he trained some great guys. He trained some real stinkers, but <laughs> but he uh, I told I told him he he single handedly built Dillard's and killed it. He built it, and then everybody that bought tickets, he charged them five hundred dollars and trained them. And so nobody bought tickets anymore after you know, after so many years. But but uh, I I could enter I could entertain and I could talk 
and Ted would could wrestle, you know. So that worked good for us. And yeah, uh, yeah, it was a waste really to put a manager with me. I even went, when I went to Russell Birmingham to book for Linda, I ended up doing you know talking on TV there because of it. it just that's just it worked, you know. Uh, I just kind of a manager kind of guy, but it just you know just happened. I don't know. We brought Robert Fuller as the guy in there to manage, and before it was over, I was managing too, and you know just because you know you could talk people in the buildings. Uh, Jimmy, while we still have you on, Larry, what are what are memories that you have of of wrestling in Rome, Georgia, that that Jimmy could chime in on, or just things that you remember? Well, see, I didn't start going to Rome until late, until uh, NAWA's uh, run up oh, there. Okay. Yeah. So I saw the I saw the guys the, uh, the the guys that Jimmy's talking about that he didn't that are from another generation. By that time, Ace mm-hmm. Rockwell, Sean Tempers, Tank, Iceberg, Dan Wilson, Andrew Alexander, um, Hardcore Properties, Air Paris, you know, so the the, the next generation of guys sure. were in there. Okay. Yeah, well, you know, I, did, I went back and did one show with them. Uh, Paris was against Jerry Lawler, and I, ended up, I don't know what I did in that show. I wrestled, I guess, I'm sure, but I can't hardly remember. I just remember Kenny Harden was there, and he took his pulled his drawers down, and his big hairy rear end was shining. Because uh, when he passed away... <laughs> He passed away a few months ago, and my my, my oldest daughter, who's 25 now, she looked at me and said, Daddy, did I see his ne- his butt naked one time? I said, yeah, I believe you did, darling. But uh, <laughs> they, they, they were the, what were they, the cover boy, the cover or something? Yeah. Centerfolds. Centerfolds, that was it, centerfolds, yeah, and they had their the strings or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they had their strings up the crack of the rear end, and they pulled their pants down. Oh, man, that was lovely. <laughs> But, uh, <laughs> hey, uh, uh, Jimmy, I wanted to ask you about the relationship between uh, wrestling and uh, being a preacher. I know you you, uh, you have a Baptist church up there in Lafayette. Could you just um, touch on that a little bit? <laughs> well, uh, I'm a. I really don't. You know, I haven't even been around wrestling much about that relationship. But I'll be honest with you. A lot of the people here, and of course, I'm, this is my hometown, and and not to try to sound braggadocious because I'm not, but when I was wrestling on TV, I was about the biggest deal I'd ever been in Lafayette. Uh, you know, it's a small town, and uh, this kid that works, and the new guy that they've got is our is the recreation director the other day. The city manager was introducing me to him, and he looked at me and says, don't get mad at me but when I say this, but I saw you wrestle at the recreation center when I was a little boy. So, you know, everybody pretty much knew me. Uh, so they knew what I, you know, how I was. In the church I'm in, it's an amazing bunch of people because, you know, I, I don't wear a tie. I can't with my neck so whacked up a tie gives me a headache. But we're just blue jeans kind of guys, and, and we're just just regular people. We don't uh, put on no show. And so I fit re- in real good with my with my group of people uh we, you know, and as far as the wrestling, they some of those they didn't. I didn't mention it honestly until Facebook, and then um, some of the ladies in the church saw it on Facebook, and uh, they think it's great. They're thrilled to death. Some of them are coming to the show. Uh, you know, <laughs> I've never had any negative things. Uh, I'll be honest, my my bad life, my addiction life, and all that stuff that I had for years. 
I've been able to use that a lot. I've got a tomorrow night there'll be about twenty young men and women from a, a, a state uh, mandated drug program, which this means it's easier to go to church than it is to the to one of the classes. I understand that, but I'll get to right. I'll get to be with them. Uh, so all this junk that I've put myself through, I'm, I'm getting to use now. But as far as the wrestling, I, people like, you know, they, they understand that it was from a different era, too. And, and they all look back on it. And I'll be honest with you, most preachers I've found through the years were closet wrestling fans. Uh, yeah. I'm thinking that was maybe their way of uh, <laughs> living you know, or getting uh, getting a little bit off their chest, you know. <laughs> well, you know, this uh, – this, this last weekend, uh, I work I work for a magazine here in Florida, and so I go to a lot of events and interview people and that kind of thing. So I interviewed uh, the saint um, Chris Whaley, yeah. um, who's who's a wrestler turned, and he you know he's with a church here in Orlando. Uh-huh. Um, and did you ever have any encounters with him? I didn't. I've, I've actually read some things about him. Uh, but I never had. I don't. As far as I know, I didn't. I mean, I may have, but I don't remember it. Yeah, he he wrote a book called The Masked Saint about mm-hmm. his life, sort of his journey with God, and and yet he sort of remained in wrestling. He he wrestled under a hood basically, so he could still be you know pastor of a church and still yeah. wrestle. And then he would <laughs> sort of uh, he would sort of handle problems. Larry, it was it was an awesome interview, and his book was great too. He would yeah. um, like some woman showed up who would always come to their church, but she showed up with black eyes and he's like, my husband did it, but you know, don't do anything about it. So he put on a mask, found the bar that the husband would hang out in and then basically kicked his ass and told him to leave his <laughs> wife alone. Oh, wow. I mean, it's, it's just great stuff. And they did a movie uh, loosely based on the book and it was Piper's last movie. So Piper yeah. was sort of the, the dirty promoter. Um, but yeah, I was well, just curious. I, I, you know, it's yeah, uh, good well, stuff. Well, I mean, it's been you know, it's been in and out through my life. Everybody knows about me. You know, they know me. Uh, but uh, you know, as far as the nowadays, it's kind of I guess after twenty about twenty three, twenty four years of being out of it, uh, it don't really mix in as much. I'll be honest with you, I quit wrestling after I really just got my life straightened out with the Lord because I think yeah. I had some really really high addiction tendencies. Um, and I don't think I could have probably lived if I'd have stayed in it. I mean, uh, a, lot, right. a lot of my friends, a lot of my friends are buried, you know, uh, through the years. So, you know, I see why that I I had to get out of it. Ted, Ted asked me one time, and he seemed to really hurt at me. He said, I want to ask you a question. I said, okay. He said, I mean, I want the truth. And I said, okay. And he said, do you not think that you could have wrestled and been a Christian? And I said, Ted, absolutely, I could have. And he said, well, why did you quit when you did? And I said, because you know what my my tendencies were. And I said, as long as I was hanging around with a crowd that was doing what I was doing, I don't know that I could have broke it. Right. And he then he got kind of quiet, and he said, okay, okay. You know, he stuck his hand out and hugged me then. But, you know, uh, just he was mad at me, kind of, you know. Uh, and I didn't realize that this was after probably five years after I quit that he said, "Oh, he came up to see me one day and he said, I just want to ask you that. So, you know, that was, I think that was my, my main reason for being out. I really had some, some heavy addiction tendencies. I mean, you know, and uh, I'm, I'm thankful I lived through them. But now, I mean, when, with wrestling, how it is now, I mean, there's no, 
hardcore drugs or anything. If anything, the guys are going to try to rope you into playing video games. <laughs> you know, it's just like, my God, what the hell happened to wrestling? I was talking to one of the guys online, uh, Parker, uh, out in Mississippi, and he used to run shows out there, and Buck Robley was his booker, and when, when some guys was, was not working for WWE or working for Crockett, he would use them. So one time he had a crew like a, you know, tons of people, the Armstrongs, Rock and Roll Express, Terry Gordy, uh, uh, Bob Orton Jr., and, I mean, Buddy Landale, we were, and I was, I just was lucky enough to get to be on the show because I was teaming with Terry at the time, but Buck liked me, so uh, we were laughing about that, and he, you know, he, that's what he was saying was that, uh, it's talking about the infamous fight in uh, one of the towns in Mississippi, I can't remember, but it was terrible, I mean, it was in a bar, you know, and all the guys were loaded, and they got in a big fight, and Buddy Landale got, went and wrecked the car, and then he came back and borrowed Ricky Morton's car and wrecked it too, and and then I, you know, it was just it was just a, one of those weekends where you lost your hotel rooms, you lost your sponsors. I mean, it's just all the guys were so crazy. Terry's wife actually was out there, but she was driving us because she didn't even want me and him and Bob Orton to be in the same car and one of us try to drive. So, you know, <laughs> uh, oh, <man. laughs> I mean, it's just crazy times. And now you look at it, like you said, people playing video games. That I, I don't, I can't conceive that. In my house. <laughs> one of the last times I was in the locker room, I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm 44, so I'm in that sort of transitional period about what, yeah. what wrestling was and what it is now. And uh, a bunch of the guys were making fun of. They're, they're like, man, those two women that like want to hook up with one of the wrestlers, and they were sort of making fun of the whole notion. And I, I was actually oh, disgusted. I'm like, what the oh, hell? No. What the hell is wrong with you? Get, like, that's you know where we're at. Where we're... Yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you something. One time, I, this is no just I'm not trying. I'm not going to get nasty here, but I'm going to tell you the truth. When you were ridiculous when I was a kid, <laughs> I was a, I was the youngest baby face there. And I was by far the prettiest because, I mean, and I wasn't that crazy. <laughs> but, but you're talking about Gypsy Joe, Tojo Yamamoto, Jackie Fargo. <laughs> Nick Goulas a rogue me, gallery for sure. Yeah, yeah. Nick Goulas told me he'd say, "Boy, you go out there and find you three or four rats, and you take care of them, and uh, don't you make none of them mad, because they buy tickets." He said, "But you better take care of them." He said, "You're a babyface now. You better go out there and find you some women." <laughs> and, uh, I mean, that's just the honest to gosh way it was, and I had and I was riding with a preacher friend of mine down through. Chattanooga one day, and I told him, I said, I used to date three sisters that lived right out there. And he looked at me and he said, What? <laughs> <laughs> but that was, <laughs> I mean, it was just the way it was, you know, it was, it was so much different. And uh, I mean, you never, you never, that's what I've told, you know, there's, I mean, Tommy Lord, Tommy Rich, bless his heart, he's a great guy, but, you know, he was the biggest baby face in Georgia, you know. Yeah. I mean, you know, you don't have to say any more than that. He was just, you know, just the way it was in those days. So, I mean, I can't. I don't know. It's a different world. I, I guess it's good in some to some point. Yeah. But, uh, but you know, it's still funny to think about it. And like I said, not trying to be nasty, but it's just that was just the way it was. Mm-hmm. You know, you just did those things, and you know, my mother would have had a heart attack if she would known her little boy was, you know, getting treated that way by a bunch of old men and taking them out. You know. First time I ever smoked a joint, it was in Nashville, Tennessee, and one of the lady wrestlers took me out back, and she, what they call blowing a shotgun, and she turned the joint around and blew it in my mouth. I thought she was trying to kiss me. 
you know. And I reached and put my arms around the back of her neck, and she shook me off. She said, you idiot, have you not ever done this before? You know, I, I walk in, and Nick Billis looks at me and says, boy, you've been taking them marijuana pills? You know. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, it was just a different world, you know. <laughs> oh, God. Well, so uh, I let's... I'm pretty sure y'all didn't have no fun tonight, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, we're we're right about at the end of the show. Let's 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 okay. talk about it. Where they get tickets, where they where they got to be, and when they got to be. Well, you know, I wish I knew that, but I can tell you that they're going to be. At the, <laughs> I, I know they're going to be at the skating rink, uh, but uh, they tell me at four o'clock it's the meet and greet, and I, they didn't ever nobody asked me to get there at four. It's Thanksgiving Day. I'm probably not going to be there at four, but uh, you know, I'm, I'll be there by five thirty or six if it starts at seven. But I, I hope to see everybody that I can there. I hope that uh, hope there's a big crowd. And if you're interested, I know that Thanksgiving Thunder is on Facebook, and I know they've got the information there for it. Uh, Absolutely. Where they, where they can get it. And they've got some really cool interviews. I've watched a few of those boys' interviews. Uh, you know, it's kind of telling the whole story of what's going on. So, uh, Phil, uh, he's, he's finally got his wish. He gets, he's, I'm finally going to work on one of his shows, so. Uh, I don't know if he'll like that. After it's over, he may not wish he hadn't. Let me just tell you, I may not be very good Thursday night, but I'm going to look good because Jack Lord has made me a new, a new bunch of gear. Oh, and I got a new, I got a new tie-dyed shirt. And if I, if my punches are horrible, they may be horrible, but my outfits won't be good, man. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have fun anyway. I guarantee you. That. Mm. Oh so, well, uh, thank, thank, thank you, you so much for coming on. Yeah, thank oh, it was an absolute delight. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Jimmy. Thanks a lot. Thank you. <laughs> bye bye. <laughs> bye bye. So the uh, man, great guest, of course, and uh, people need to turn out for that Thanksgiving show. I I wish I was closer. I would be there. I really would. I would find a way to get there. <laughs> yeah, but, if I was if I was in Atlanta I, for this holiday, I would definitely be going. And we do have. Some stuff on it on, on gwhnewsandnotes.blogspot.com about the show, so you can get some info there if you're interested in going. But as as uh, uh, Jimmy mentioned, it is four o'clock for the meet and greet, seven o'clock showtime, and it's at the Skate Wheels, which is across the street, the Skate Center, Fun Wheels Skate Center, across the street from the old Dillard's. Unfortunately, the Dillard's is in a long-term lease, and they weren't interested in subleasing, so on, this show could not take place at Dillard's. So it's going to be at the uh, Fun wheels across the street from the old uh, Dillard's. Are they going to have a commemorative plaque for the spot where Larry Goodman and Stephen Platinum met? Um, probably not. I guess it's not going to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought. I remember that sitting there. I said, "Who's this guy?" Right. And you were there to watch. Yeah, I, you were there with Jay, with Jay Fury, if I remember. right. I was there to Jay watch Jay Fury because it was one of his first big deal things. He was in a ladder yeah. match, and uh, I knew he was going to go all out. And I remember, I, I guess it must have been Phil Hefner, who I did not know at the time. But like, there was a match where there's like some hardcore thing, and then he came out of like the scoop of the bulldozer or whatever, yes. and jumped yes. out. And I'm just like. And I just immediately felt like, oh, great, another shit promoter who gets in there. <laughs> that was the first thing that popped in my mind. I was like, oh, God, you know. But, boy, people were eating it up. And uh, I think that on that 
card also was like Rick Michaels and AJ Styles. I think I remember uh, Rick took like a, a Styles clash. Um, it's all it's all so strange to think about, isn't it, Larry? About the paths that crossed and all of that. I mean, like Rick is texting me because he forgot that I have a show right now. <laughs> so he's he's been texting me stuff, and it's just like, uh, who'd have thought that all of us would know each other? And you know. It's pretty. It's pretty amazing thing. It's one of the great things about wrestling, really. It is. It is. Hey, one th- one thing that did cross my mind about a guy who's going to be on this show that I haven't seen in years, Danny Dees. Did you ever <laughs> hear of Danny Dees? No. Please tell us he about was, Danny Dees. He was a. He was a. He's managing the uh, the uh, team opposing Hefner's team on this show. He's got Tank and Ben Thrasher and Murder One and Chip Day and Michael Cross. But anyway, Danny Dees was a manager up in the north. Georgia wrestling, and he used to come on the Bonnie Blackstone and Joe Pettisino wrestling mm-hmm. block when they had it. And I just remember one night he was bragging about going and having a filet mignon, except he called it a filet big non. <laughs> and it just cra- I just it just cracked me up. It always just stuck with me when he said. Gla- and, the, and, the, and Joe and Bonnie were trying not to break up because he just called it a filet big non. <laughs> anyway, uh, the uh, also coming up this weekend a big show out at Peach State. We would be remiss if we did not mention that. Yes, please. Uh, they've got, of course, Bill Barons, mm-hmm. Rick Michaels, mm-hmm. uh, Tristan Michaels taking on Sal Renaro. Well, Sal will have one hand tied behind his back. And a blindfold match with with uh, Shane Knowles involved, so it's going to be a, bi- a big night out there in uh, Carrollton on Saturday night. So that's another. I wish I could be there for that too, but it's just not going to be. Well, um, Larry, you know we'll be back in two weeks, but I hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Are you going to be in Chicago? Going to be in Chicago. I may get to AAW Saturday night. I hope so. It's a hell of a card. So if I can get in, it's sold out. But if I can get my way in there, I want to see that show. But yeah, I'm going to be up with the family. I hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving too. Thank you. I should. You know, it's it's a, it's a crazy time for me and the wife, and in, in the best of ways. Uh, like you know, she's she's Fozzie Bear for goodness sakes. Um, so it's like living the puppeteer's dream, getting to be one of the Muppets. And uh, at the magazine, I'm crazy busy. Like I've managed to work my way up in rapid order. So I go to a lot of events and interview a lot of people and. It's it's pretty great. So this Thanksgiving, I get Thanksgiving Day off. So we'll go have Thanksgiving with some of Julie's relatives. But, you know, Friday I'm right back at work and going to all these cons. In fact, Larry, I, I think I scored something pretty big. I'll actually have a press pass for WrestleMania here in Orlando. So Sweet. they wouldn't they wouldn't have me any other way. <laughs> but now that I'm not in wrestling anymore, now I can get in any TNA thing I want to. I can get in any WWE thing I want to. I can go anywhere I want in wrestling now that I am no longer a I'm gonna say it, a threat. That's must be what it is. It's How not just because like they want to use the magazine for publicity. So anyway, um Larry, please have a great and happy Thanksgiving and uh, special thanks to our guest. He was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, next yeah. week, three, the hard way with Matt Hankins and big wood. And we'll be back in two weeks for the tipping point.
We thank you for listening to this broadcast, a production brought to you by the GWH Radio Network. Stay tuned to GeorgiaWrestlingHistory.com for the latest information on upcoming events and more. As always, we thank you for your continued support.